following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Welcome into the Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today, a Reaction Tuesday, also a Top 5 Tuesday, and on the program we'll be joined by the Mark Cast Network's own Reed Johnson. It's a top USFL podcast. Opening weekend, our very own Chris Yao was there. We'll talk to uh, Reed about it as well. Chip Walters with his weekly visit on all things MTSU Blue Raiders. And uh, plenty of things going on. UT, Vandy, some news uh, up on West End. The Preds in a playoff hunt. The Grizz in the playoffs. College uh, college football recruiting. The Braves, as always, looking at an old friend starting a series out in L.A. That and so much more on this Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today. Now, to the Hall of Famer and Sports Writer of the Year, Mr. Bo Patton with the Sun Drop Kid from Alabama, Chris Yow. Welcome in. It is a Reaction Tuesday. Glad to have you with us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Top story today, I guess, is the opening serve. The serve. There you go. I, I, hey, it works for me. There you go. I like it. Well done. Hey, yeah. Um... Anchor down with the and then pull out the thumb and you've got V for volleyball, Mo. <laughs> Stop. There you go. They, um, they were they really went all in on this V thing, didn't they? <laughs> scrolling through Twitter as we are wont to do, um, came across a tweet. Vanderbilt adds volleyball as varsity sport. Little alliteration just for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Now don't don't get too excited because we did the math <laughs> and basically unless you are a high school freshman or younger you'll not be at the net for the black and gold because they are set to start competition in 2526 according to this release that's up on the website at vucommodores.com but they announced today that um, volleyball will return to Vanderbilt as its 17th varsity sport. They actually participated in the first officially recognized SEC tournament in 1979, discontinued the sport after the 79-80 school year. So so one year? Well, well one I, year I would assume that SEC. they had played it before one year as an SEC member. Gotcha. Yeah. Or <laughs> one year – of a tournament. I, who knows how long they played there you or go. how long the SEC played, but they had one tournament. Details are a bit sketchy. <laughs> Undefeated since 1980, baby. <laughs> Vanderbilt volleyball. A so. court now, and Chris, in answer to the, the point that you raised when we were discussing this prior to the show, obviously there are a lot of us, don't take this personally if you're a volleyball person, but there are a lot of us who would have preferred to have seen Vanderbilt add softball. A different women's sport to be number 17. Mm-hmm. But that's. But uh, we get it. I mean, I, you already got a gym. I've told you the story about Alabama having a choice between equestrian and rowing. 
And they were like, what do we have to do to have an equestrian team? Well, we got to build stables and buy horses and buy land. And what do we need for rowing? A boat. <laughs> so. <laughs> and it doesn't have to it be is. a big one either. <laughs> rowing it is. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> but according to the National Federation of State High School Associations, Volleyball has the second most participants nationally among girls in high school sports and is the second most popular high school sport for girls in Tennessee with nearly 7,000 participants. Now, the most popular? Girls soccer or volleyball? Well, basketball, I guess. I guess it just depends. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine. I, as, far as, as far as participation is concerned, one would think softball because you have more softball players typically. Yeah. Yeah, you would so think. I, I, I don't know. Participation mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. Probably. At the NCAA level, nearly 350 schools currently sponsor Division I varsity programs, now including all 14 members of Southeastern Conference. And once Texas and Oklahoma get here, it'll be 16. Um, JP? Yeah, I got a question. And may not know the answer. Something, obviously, we can look into and, and mm-hmm. may have a, a guest to answer that. But We, we may have a guest yeah, to answer the, this. The, yeah. the Title IX numbers, where does this play into that? Obviously, I guess they've been they've been fine with that. So this is just adding a woman's sport. I um, guess they've been fine with that, but I don't think this is necessarily a Title IX. I don't. Issue. I don't get that sense uh, either. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious because mm-hmm. um, it's not a, it's not affecting any other sport on campus from no. the varsity perspective. This is just adding. Yeah, that right? we know of. I mean, no. At, yeah, okay. I, I, I'd like to think we would know if it were an issue. Let's though, hope. But yeah. Um, last year's NCAA Division One championship match between Nebraska and Wisconsin drew a record 1.19 million viewers on ESPN. So um, they believe um, 36-month timeline for implementation offers the program the best chance for sus- sustainable and competitive success particularly in the SEC, um, allows sufficient time to build the infrastructure and resources necessary to support the sport at a championship level. Vanderbilt plans to conduct a national search this fall for a head coach to lead the program. So there you go. It's, it's, that's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. And as JP alluded, hopefully we can get someone on here soon that can speak more in depth to this development. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we've got a lengthy rundown today, but we do have a guest who is standing by. So we want to go ahead and get to that guest here momentarily. So we will get you the weekend results and today's schedule as quickly as we can on the other side of our guest. Reed Johnson joins us from the Markcast Network of Podcasts and looking forward to talking to him about this weekend because it was a lot of fun to watch live and on TV. I'm curious what uh, someone who's not from the area thought about Birmingham and how they produced the USFL. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint comes back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ed Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes. Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Tennessee. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao alongside Mo Patton, J.P. Plant on the controls, and we are glad to have you here on this Reaction Tuesday slash Top 5 Tuesday where we give you the best, the, the most iconic or top sports duos in sports history. That will be in the final segment of today's show, so make sure to stick around for that. Now, over the weekend I had a chance to get down See the parents and uh, spend Easter with my mom and dad. My dad's birthday, obviously, was Friday. So, had a, had a lot of fun. On top of all of that, I got a chance to get to Protective Stadium for the first time and witness the inaugural contest in the new USFL between Birmingham and New Jersey. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was a great time. Also in town was Reed Johnson, who is affectionately known as the uh, the guy in podcasts for alternative football. CFL, XFL, USFL, he, he, he knows it all. And Reed 
I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you for taking some time with us today. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, is that what they say? I don't know who says that, but hopefully hopefully good people say that. Uh, make sure you always say it's the new USFL. It's not the old USFL. Right. Uh, new new USFL. We got to make sure about that. Yeah, apparently, because if, if we don't, the, they might get sued. Oh, wait. It's already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> Reed, you know, you were in Birmingham this weekend, and I'm just curious, what, what were your overall thoughts of the, you know, the way the city handled the event? Um, the overall crowds, obviously Sunday was much smaller. Um, but just overall, how, how did you feel like the, uh, the, the new USFL handled its opening weekend? You know, it's weird. We did a stream last night talking about it too. It seems like a lot of work was made. You know, we're getting the kickoff date. We're getting the April 16th. We're doing the simulcast. We're getting everybody on that. And then, you know, crowds really dropped the next day. I know that weather was a factor in that with thunderstorms and stuff. I have a lot of thoughts about the ticket pricing and how they went about that. But in general, it was really great. Protective Stadium was awesome. We stayed right across the street there at the West End. Um, really nice setup there with a bunch of bars and restaurants. I kept telling Dorothy, my wife, who was with me, you know, I don't know what this exists for except for the USFL. I mean, it really felt like that was a good fit that way. But uh, we can talk about crowds and being late arriving and early leaving. Uh, interesting crowd due to the ticket sales and pricing and stuff like that. I would certainly agree. I, you know, I was one of those who got there early and and stayed through and, and enjoyed the the entirety of the game because uh, I mean I'm I, obviously I see all of your stuff in the background there. You can see my uh, arena football helmet here, so we, we kind of have that uh, that camaraderie you and I about alternative football. And as far as alternative football is concerned, this this product seemed to be pretty good considering how quickly it was put together. Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't like that as the narrative, right? You know, Fox has said that sure. a lot too. And, and US, you know, you have established a timeline. You have a short timeline to save money. You have smaller rosters to save money. And so even the announcers, you know, Joel Klatt, Kurt Manifee were on there, uh, you know, Brock, your sidelines and stuff. You, you get a lot of this. Well, the guys are tired and conditioning and cramps and things like that, which I mean, I am not a professional athlete, right? So I'm not going to speak on, I mean, tremendous effort and I no taken away from that. But uh, the reason why a lot of that is coming up is because it was a three week training camp and because they have you know, one preseason game a piece uh there's issues coming out now as well with the footballs and things like that i don't know if you guys want to get into that or more just mm. focusing on the birmingham stuff but uh you know a lot of this the self-inflicted timelines that they put on so i don't i don't particularly like that narrative <laughs> that's fair Sorry. that's fair you you can't create a timeline and then be mad blame that timeline <laughs> for whatever shortcomings there are with it. Reed Johnson of the Markcast with us here on Main Street Sports today. Um, Reed, um, as you mentioned, weather a big issue, but at the same time, three games in one day on one field. I'm not nearly as familiar with protective field as Chris is, but, you know, the logistics of that's got to – and again, again, that's of their creation as well. But that's got to be a little bit of an issue. I wonder if that's going to hold up going forward. I mean, it has to, right? That that's how they have a couple of weekends at Legion Field. 
people, I even saw debates online today on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, the reason why they're doing that is Fox has everything set up, right? So it's like, we're moving in, we have everything ready to go. We're not repainting the field. We're not moving stuff around. So you're saving money a lot in that way. Uh, the, the couple of weeks that I think protective is getting ready for the world games, so they're going to have to move stuff to Legion. But again, it, it's all cost cutting. It, a lot of the issues that, that relate to a lot of this can be, uh, dialed back to that of you know they're trying to save you know uh, timelines and and you know we don't have to bring in as many camera crews because we just have the one and we have everything set up i mean they have tremendous technology and drones and you know 52 cameras or whatever they said it's more than twice what they normally have for broadcast but uh a lot of that is because it's living there and they're able to kind of establish it that way is that going to be a problem going forward when they do move to home stadiums rita i mean in the event that obviously Tampa or New Jersey or Michigan host professional football games. Have you maybe over delivered in the first year? And now you've got to have 52 cameras in four different stadiums or eight different stadiums in the future on a week to week basis. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I actually hadn't in all the, it's interesting you bring that up. I've never even thought about that. And we've, we've obviously talked about the logistics of, you know, leases and setting up stuff in all the different stadiums and you got to house the players everywhere. Right. I mean, they have deals in place with Birmingham to house the players there at reduced cost. They're right next to the stadium. I mean, it's really easy to get everybody around, but Again, it's it's funny because, you know, we exist in this Twitter sphere of we all know what's going on every second of the USFL and the lawsuits and the training and all that stuff. But then you do get a lot of comments yesterday, people thinking that the game was in Tampa or thinking the game was in Pittsburgh. I mean, not realizing a lot of that. And I think that Fox really relied on running those ads for the first weekend and just thought, People are going to pay attention. I mean, I you know how it is. I'll post uh, I'll post the the ratings for the games and, and a bunch of context to it, and then people will respond. Well, you know, what was the ratings for Saturday? You're like, it, it was literally in the thing I just posted. Like, you, you know, people don't <laughs> read anymore. It's a really hard. You're telling that. us. So, yeah. So, so I think that they really relied on a lot of that, and, and we'll see. It's a huge jump. I, I don't think they're going to go all teams in Birmingham to eight teams out, right? I think originally the plan was to do a two-year transition, right? Maybe we move four teams next year or we do uh, two different hubs, right? Maybe we do a North Hub and a South Hub. But then you get a lot of matchups the same. You know, the Spring League, which was USFL before this, they did that and you ended up just having the same teams play each other. I mean, it's nice having eight teams be able to compete then you're just playing in your own division the whole time. It's interesting you, you mentioned ratings because the Saturday ratings were phenomenal for uh, what I expected, um, over 3 million viewers uh, between the two, Fox and NBC broadcast. Sunday, an average of 2.1 during the early game and uh, 770,000. Not great for that late afternoon game, but also a lot going on. Easter dinner uh, for most people across the country <laughs> uh, and that sort of thing. So that... You you have to you have to look at this as look this is a TV league this this has to be successful on television for Fox to care, and we've seen this we've seen this story we we've seen the big numbers on week one and then it just falls off a cliff from there. Can this be sustained? 
It's interesting. I would argue that the 700,000 on USA on Easter Sunday with an hour rain delay was actually probably the most impressive of those ratings, just because Mm -hmm. you have to remember that's USA. It's a cable network. They were dealing with the thunderstorms. They had another law and order. They had to to move around. And so, I mean, I would honestly argue that that was probably more respectable that they got 700,000 on USA. That is tremendously impressive. I don't think the the 3.1 on on both networks on primetime Saturday with both network you know Fox had run a million ads about this and talked about it during the NFL and talked about it on NASCAR and talked about it on golf and all these things like that rating was expected i would have liked to see it higher i mean the XFL did that on one network uh multiple times you know on like 2 in the afternoon on a sunday uh, and not in prime time with both networks simulcasting it you know imagine if that was just on one network i don't think i don't think you pull 1.5 in each of those networks and suddenly drop it to one network and say well then fox really got 3 million i mean that's not how the numbers work i sure. mean having the simulcast got them that high number and it it will never be that high again uh this year i i feel pretty confident about that even playoffs and stuff i just don't see it getting back up to that with the hype what what were your thoughts Rui, just in terms of the com- competitiveness and and the level of play i mean when you look back over these games i didn't get to see tampa bay and pittsburgh last night either. unfortunately but um the other three Didn't games, dis- uh, yeah, apparently, 17-3 Bandits victory. Congrats, congrats to Bruno Reagan, Bruno by Reagan. the way. But each of those first three games decided by one possession, basically. Birmingham 28-24 over New Jersey. Houston defeating Michigan 17-12 in the Breakers of New Orleans. New Orleans with a 23-17 win over Philadelphia. But, you know, just whenever you're talking about alternative football as as you and Chris term it, the quality of play becomes a concern. What did you think of what you saw on the field? I mean, Saturday started really hot. I had a brief chat with uh, Brian Woods, who's the president of football operations there during halftime, just talking about the game. We were kind of in the same area in suites there at the stadium. Uh, He was seemed really happy, right? That they got off to a hot start. Both teams scored on their first drive. Uh, It did lull a little bit. you know, game ended close. Uh, you're always going to get this, you know, it's never going to be the NFL quality out the gate. I mean, even the NFL isn't, you know, you, especially when you don't have preseason games or as many as they have in the NFL the last couple of years, uh, the games on Saturday, uh, really suffered. I thought, um, the Panthers it had a lot of QB issues. A lot was made about Shea Patterson's um, kind of lack of direction and then Paxton Lynch, you know, maybe proving why uh, he wasn't what everyone thought he was going to be. There's been a lot of issues that have come out with the actual football that they're playing with. I, mm-hmm. I would attribute a lot of the issues to that as well as kind of the lack of training camp. I think you have both those so, 1A and 1B. Uh, Reed, explain what's what's going on with the, with the football because apparently there is an issue with the chip. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the the uh, USFL's big new thing now is they are not using the chains. They're just um, they're, they're using the chip and laser technology to be able to measure you know first downs and things like that. And so what they've done is they've added the chip inside the ball. We've had reports out. Um, Pat McAfee picked up on one of them today. From I, I, I wish I could credit the the writer that was talking with some of the players. Uh, it's adding about a four or five ounce weight to the middle of the ball. Uh, not only is it making it harder uh, for the kickers to kick, right? It's a physical item in there that they're they're kicking. It, it's issuing that way. It's adding uneven weight to the ball. Mm. And so what you're doing is in preseason and practices, they're playing with normal footballs. Mm. You know, the USFL has changed the colors a little bit. You know, they painted the ball. But when you come to game day, so that's why we saw a lot of missed field goals. I thought yeah, Brian Scott, I was watching the Philadelphia game. He's someone we've tracked uh, through the spring league for years didn't seem great in, in all the throws and, and a lot of the stories now are attributing it to that that they, they can't get a good spiral on the ball for the quarterbacks and then the kickers it's not only an uneven weight to kick but it's actually hurting uh, or making it more challenging to kick the ball as well i guess i just thought when they were putting a chip in it that they would like put a chip in each nose of the football i mean do we know where the chip is it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Mm. We had Sam Schwartzstein on uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was the guy, gentleman that created the XFL rule book back in 2020 with his team. They had looked at this as well. And Sam had talked about it because the idea when you put the chip of the ball, like you said, it, it it's not at the nose or either end it, it's in the center of the ball. So you're still having to add math and calculations that way to figure out, okay, where's the center of the ball to where is the nose and, and adding those calculations it's such a, a minute problem in normal NFL. Think of how many times we actually see chains come out in a, in a regular football game, maybe two or three times at that. Sam talked about that. You know, we have a million dollar solution for a problem that you got two sticks and in, in rope and, and, and you get the same idea, but Fox got a lot of publicity and views off of this. They, they tweeted the videos from preseason. They had millions of hits showing this technology and i think they're going to be really hesitant about pulling back or dialing back on that now because of how much they've gotten so one thing we need to do is when we're kicking get regular footballs that that would be the, yeah, that would be one way to get rid of that well i mean you have kicking balls right in the nfl so you could, yeah use <laughs> use a ball without a chip for You're, kicking right yeah. I, I bet I, I bet the uh the the Rose from the New Jersey Generals would certainly like to have a regular football because he was he struggled. Well, on assuming that, that he's kicking next weekend. Well, I, I, there you go. Uh, Reed, well, but what if what if you had a kicking ball and then you decided to go for a field goal and it was and a fake, fake it. and then you ran it and then oh my god now chaos ensues we don't know where the ball is I mean you know I yes ideally we would have two different whatever but. You know, you have a fake punt, and then next thing you know, where you know chaos is rained down, and and the the game is done. <laughs> there you go, Reed Johnson of the Mark Cast here on Main Street Sports today. Reed, thank you so much for taking some time with us. I hope you enjoyed Birmingham. I hope you enjoyed uh, the USFL and continue to do so throughout the rest of the spring. Uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, looking forward to your podcast again. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can see it there on the screen at the underscore Mark Cast. M-A-R-K-C-A-S-T, if you're listening on the podcast. Make sure to go give him a follow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Reed, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right.
We're going to take a quick break here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. And when we come back, we will talk about Sunday and some recruiting and other things. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, comes back after this. orthopedic injuries and existing conditions our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ed Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. This is The Rundown. Let's do it. The Monday Rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy, providing a Christ-centered college prep education at an affordable cost. Call 931-388-5731 or visit zioneagles.org to schedule an appointment for a tour today. It's our Monday, and that's what I'm sticking with. Welcome back to the rundown here on Main Street Sports Today. In high school baseball from previous to today, whenever these were, Christian Community 11-0 winners over Ezel Harding. It was DCA 11-7 over Columbia Academy. Uh, Baseball, by the way, these scores. CPA over Franklin, uh, 9-5. Dixon County 13-3 winners over Clarksville Northwest. It was East Robertson 7-5 over White House Heritage. Ensworth and Lipscomb Academy uh, played to a scoreless, I guess, weather uh, took them out. I have no idea. I... (laughs) Copy and paste, man. That's what we got. Uh, zero zero. Lift from Academy Innsworth. Uh, Fairview falls to Lakota East from Ohio five to three. Grace Christian Franklin four three over Fairview. Gallatin nine two over Westmoreland. Gallatin also five four over Gordonsville. Hendersonville with a pair of wins. 
10-0 over Portland and 7-2 over Rossview Henry County, 17-0 over Kenwood. It was Portland 9-3 over Joe Burns. Rossview 12-0 over Lebanon. Friendship Christian 13-3 over Middle Tennessee Christian. Mount Juliet falls to McCracken County, Kentucky, uh, 8-5. Murfreesboro Central Magnet 9-4 over Weir from West Virginia. Good Pasture 13-1 over Murfreesboro Central Magnet. Tullahoma eking out a 7-6 win over Riverdale. It was station camp 19, uh, excuse me, 14-9 over Knoxville Webb. Upperman 2-0 over Watertown. Hillwood falls to Webb School 6-3. Station camp 9-4 winners over West. Uh, West also fell to Good Pasture 11-1. Warren County 11-1 over Westmoreland. Softball, Nolansville 5-3 winners over Macon County. Those were over the weekend. Now, Monday scores. In baseball, BGA 2-1 over Providence Christian. Columbia 6-1 over Ravenwood. Good Pasture 11-1 over DCA. John Overton falls to Franklin 7-1. It was Grace Christian Franklin 5-0, shutting out Columbia Academy. Henry County shutting out Rossview 3-0. Eagleville doing the same to Huntland 7-0. Large County 3-2 winners over Tullahoma. Spring Hill falls to Lincoln County 7-2. Loretto 8-6 winners over Giles County. Page 11-1 over Marshall County. Summertown 11-2 over Mount Pleasant. Richland uh, falls to Kolioka 1-0. Station Camp 16-0 over McGavick. Monday scores in softball. Marshall County 9-0 over Columbia. Kolioka shut out by Wayne County 12-0. Davidson Academy 11-1 winners over Friendship Christian. It was Columbia Academy uh, 19-0 over Franklin Road Academy. Giles County falls to West Limestone from Alabama 11-3. Station Camp big over Hunters Lane 19-0. Perry County by a run 9-8 over Mount Pleasant and Clarksville 16 to 1 over West Creek. On the pitch yesterday, Giles County 6 2 winners over Fayetteville Greenbrier, 5 0 over Macon County. White House Heritage, 2 0 over White House. And it was Zion Christian, 2 to 1 over Agathos Classical, a battle here in Columbia. In college baseball over the weekend, Tennessee took 2 of 3 from Alabama. Vanderbilt did the same to Florida. MTSU, the same to Charlotte. Lipscomb swept UNA in three games. Belmont, 2 of 3 from Moorhead State. Eastern Illinois, 2 of 3 from Austin P. Division 2, Tifton uh, took 3 of 4 from Trevecca. Cumberland swept Lindsey Wilson in a three-game series. Vol State uh, took 2 from Jackson State. And Columbia State took 2 of 3 from Motlow State. College softball. It was Tennessee uh, sweeping Texas A&M in three games over the weekend. Charlotte took two of three from MTSU. Uh, Lipscomb uh, dropped two of three to Jacksonville State. Including one from Cat Carter okay. on Friday. Stay cocky. Uh, it was Belmont 3 nothing uh, in their series over Tennessee Tech. Murray State the same over Tennessee State. Austin P two of three from SEMO. Division two, Trevecca swept in two games over Hillsdale and... Uh, and then also uh, swept by Finley in a doubleheader as well. Ball State took two from Jackson State, and Columbia State and Motlow State split their two-game series. Major League Baseball, the Braves on Friday with 5-2 wins over the Padres on Saturday as well. Dropped to the Padres 2-1 on Sunday, and then last night the Dodgers uh, 7-4 winners over the Braves. In minor league baseball, the Sounds dropped to the Stripers 2-1, uh, to one, but uh, picked up a pair of wins, 10-0 and 3-0. In the NHL, the Preds over the Blackhawks, 4-3, but fell to the Blues, 8-3. That was on Terry Crisp Day, if I'm not mistaken, on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, in the NBA, uh, the T-Wolves took game one. 
130 to 117. What happened yesterday? Tonight. tonight. Game two tonight? You'll see it in the schedule. Okay. All right. Game yes. two tonight? All right. Uh, on today's schedule, as we were just Nashville, SC, and San Jose. Ah, thank you very much. Two tie. Yeah, two two tie. That's that button. There we go. All right. Uh, on the slate today in high school baseball, 4 o'clock start will include Antioch at Cane Ridge, Murfreesboro Central Magnet at Maplewood at 4.15 today. Clarksville will host Springfield at 4.30. These games include uh, MLK and Glencliff. They'll actually play two. CPA at Lipscomb Academy. NBA hosting Pope John Paul II. DCA at Clarksville Academy. Also, Davidson Academy and Ezel Harding. Innsworth will welcome Brentwood Academy. Uh, Friendship Christian will be a good pastor today. Dixon County travels to Father Ryan. Hunters Lane hosting Hendersonville. Also at 4.30, Middle Tennessee Christian at University School Nashville. Hillwood hosting Hume Fogg. 5 o'clock first pitch includes BGA Providence Christian, Franklin Road Christian at Zion Christian, Nashville Christian at Mount Juliet Christian, Santa Fe at Hampshire, East Robertson at Clarksville Northwest, also at 5.30 including Kolioka and Richland. At 6 tonight, it'll be Joe Burns at Trousdale County, Lawrence County at Tullahoma, um, Loretta at Giles County, Riverdale hosting in-city uh, rival Blackman, Oakland also staying in Murfreesboro, taking on Rockvale. East Hickman at Fairview at 6.15. At 6.30, Clarksville will host Springfield. Hillsboro at Brentwood. Clarksville Northeast welcoming West Creek. Henry County will be at Rossview. Seagull host Independence. Laverne will be at Smyrna. Lincoln County at Spring Hill. Summertown hosting Mount Pleasant. Nolansville at Summit. Other 6.30 starts included Grace Christian Franklin at Columbia Academy. Marshall County at Page. Ravenwood welcoming Columbia Franklin at John Overton at 7 tonight. Harford at Cheatham County, Beach of McGavitt, Greenbrier, Montgomery Central, Lebanon and Mount Juliet, uh, Wilson Central, Cookville, Gallatin, uh, Station Camp, Sycamore, and White House Heritage, and Huntland and Eagleville will play today. Literally every team in our coverage area is playing today. Like it. And none of them are playing each other, apparently. There you go. <laughs> Um, softball today, 4 o'clock start, include Glencliff and Mount Juliet Christian. They'll play two. Antioch at 4.30, hosting Cane Ridge. Also at 4.30, including Harpeth Hall at CPA, DCE. Uh, Good Pastor McGavick will be at Gallatin, Innsworth, hosting Brentwood Academy. Cannon County will welcome Westmoreland. Father Ryan will be at St. Cecilia Academy. At 5 o'clock, you'll see Santa Fe at Wayne County. Zion Christian and Clarksville Christian will play two, beginning at 5. Yeah, also at 5, Kolioka travels down the trace to take on Collinwood uh, this afternoon at 5. West Creek at 5.30 will host Springfield. Uh, Independence at Columbia at 5. Webb School at Columbia Academy also at 5. Ha- uh, Harpeth at White House Heritage. Middle Tennessee Christian at BGA. Friendship Christian and Ezel Harding. Summertown and Loretto. Davidson Academy and Nashville Christian. Ravenwood and Brentwood. All of those 5 o'clock starts. 5.30 this evening. Dixon County at Henry County. Trousdale County at Joe Burns. Rossview welcomes Clarksville. Page will be at Lincoln County. Today's station camp at Beach will be at 6. Also at 6 is Smyrna and Laverne. At 6.30 tonight, Stewart's Creek will be at Eagleville. Lebanon welcomes Greenhill. Oakland will battle Riverdale and Rockvale hosting Blackman. On the pitch at 5 o'clock, boys soccer. Marshall County at Columbia Academy. Zion Christian at Community. Uh, Ezel Harding at Nashville Christian. Siegel welcomes Stewart's Creek. Mount Juliet at Smyrna. All of those 5 o'clock first touch. 
Spring Hill at Murfreesboro Central Magnet at 5.30 at 6. Lawrence County is at Richland, also at 6. Rockvale hosting Riverdale. Montgomery Central at East Robertson. Martin Luther King hosting MBA. Creekwood at Springfield. Loretto at Wayne County. And at 7, we'll see Rossview at West Creek. CPA at Nolansville. Oakland hosting Blackman. Tullahoma's at Page. Dixon County at Fairview. CPA will be at Father Ryan. Gallatin Welcome Station Camp. Beach at Hendersonville. Hillwood at, uh, hosting Green Hill. Wilson Central at Lebanon. Merrill Hyde will host Knowledge Academies. Laverne is at Cookville. Columbia hosting Nolansville. Again, all of those 7 p.m. starts. Sycamore will also be taking on Clarksville Northwest today. College baseball. Tennessee Tech at Vanderbilt. Uh, tonight at 6 on SEC Plus at the Hawk. Belmont is in the borough to take on the Blue Raiders, 6 p.m. as well. We'll talk to Chip about that. That's on CUSA. at CUSA.TV. Lipscomb is at Western Kentucky at 5 on Facebook Watch. Uh, Southern Illinois at Austin P at 6 on ESPN Plus. Uh, in Division II, Trebekah is at Lincoln Memorial at 3 this afternoon. College softball at 2 o'clock. We'll see a doubleheader between TSU and Alabama A&M in Nashville. And the majors, the Braves, back at it tonight uh, against the Dodgers. Uh, Max Fried against Vanderbilt, former Vanderbilt, Walker Bueller. Uh, 9-10 tonight. Oh, it's turning back the clock. It's on TBS tonight. Mm. There you go, America's team. Uh, Central time for that start, by the way. Uh, the Sounds uh, continue their series at the Stripers. No, that's the not start. true. I'm sorry. That's, Is that not? No, it's what do we got? Charlotte Knights are at. Ah, gotcha. Uh, I'm sorry. Charlotte Knights are in town. Charlotte in Knights are in Nashville. First Rising Park, 635 first pitch. There you go. All right. Uh, NHL, the Preds hosting Calgary tonight on Bally Sports South. Uh, also another former Terry Chris team, by the way. Um And the NBA, Game 2, Minnesota and the Grizzlies uh, in uh, in Memphis on Beale Street, 7.30 tonight, NBA TV. And on – coming up? No. Nope. Nothing there? That's it. Nothing there to see. Nothing to see here other than the rundown on this Monday slash Tuesday edition brought to you by Zion Christian. We'll get Tuesdays tomorrow on Wednesday. That's how it works. Now back to the Hall of Famer and uh, Sports Writer of the Year, Mo Patton, and the Sundrop Kit from Alabama, Christian. We made it. He made it. He made it. Um, just real quick, congrats to the Preds on their win Saturday. They absolutely stunk it up in the second period. How do you give up seven Sunday. goals in one period? Well, you start UC Soros back-to-back days, and then you put in Connor Riddich and Hope. and. Well, and doesn't work. I mean, I saw one of the local stations had, you know, asked John Hines afterwards, you know, about the thought process thought process behind starting UC back to back. And he said, Hey, it's twenty four plus hours between games. We we felt good about it, blah blah blah. I I don't know. I'm glad he felt good about it in the beginning. Didn't work out in the second period. It was great for the first period. <laughs> but, you know. Again, it it worked until it didn't. It worked until it didn't, and yeah. that's okay. It, it's it is what it is. That that, that was going to be a tough game for the Preds to win to to get a win anyway. One at St. Louis, two back to back days. I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, and this is just me, hmm? if I were John Hines, I would have played Riddich on Saturday against the lowly 
Blackhawks and saved UC for Sunday and hope you could get hope you could steal a win from the Blackhawks with your backup goalie and then have your number one guy on fresh legs Sunday. But hey, who am I and what do I know? Well, the, the next hockey game you win will be the first. That's so, correct. I mean, yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, Monday morning, whatever. Or Tuesday afternoon. Uh, left winger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Grizzlies sucked on Sunday, too. It wasn't just, it, it must have been something in the water because then again, it stopped on, uh, stopped going east because Tennessee certainly took back their swagger on Saturday and Sunday against Alabama. So, and also, Tennessee football lands the number one recruit in the state today. So, that fence is getting a little higher around the state if you're Josh Heupel. Mm. Are you referring to Caleb Herring? I am. Okay. I didn't realize he was the number one recruit, but okay. Number, number one in the state. Yeah. Well, so, I I didn't realize he was the number one recruit in the state. I, but I'm I mean, sure that's, that that is uh, subjective to whatever. Uh, I, I, no no shade. I, just, no, no. I didn't know. I, I knew who Caleb Herring was. He plays at Riverdale. Sure. But I, I did not realize he was the number one prospect. That's um, pretty huge. It, it is. Again, building that fence. Building that fence. There you go. All right, let's take a quick break. We need to talk about the Braves, and there's a lot to talk about. So let's take a break. Come back here on Main Street Sports today. Stick around. 